Minister, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Peter Sutherland. I'm chairman of the Board of Governors of LSE, and I welcome you all to LSE today for the lecture. The event is part of LSE's European Institute, an APCO Worldwide Perspectives on Europe lecture series, and we're grateful to APCO for its continuing support. It's a particular pleasure uh, to welcome Minister Muscovici today to LSE. His schedule is tight, but hopefully we will have an opportunity to engage in discussion with him as well as listen to him in the presentation that he will make. I need hardly preface his remarks by saying that France has played the pivotal role, perhaps, in the development of the European integration process, going right back to the pantheon of early heroes, Schumann and Monet and so on, right up to the present time, and uh, most notably in the last couple of decades, uh, Jacques Delors' influence has been uh, enormous on where Europe has gone. And we're now at a moment of truth. It's often been said that it's a question of either integrate or disintegrate. And the challenge which is now posed by the current turmoil in debt markets goes to the very heart of some of the fundamental premises of the Euro integra European integration process, and in particular, at the sharing of sovereignty, which is something which many of us believe very firmly in. And again, the role of France will be absolutely crucial in this. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Minister, for offering to be with us today, and I give you the lecture. President, ladies and gentlemen, let me uh, first thank Mr. Sutherland for the uh, welcome words he uh, just uh, addressed. I'm here in uh, London today uh, for uh, a meeting with the uh, Chancellor of the uh, Exchequer, George Osborne, who is my counterpart here. Uh, in France, we call that the Minister for Economy and Finance. Uh, and in the context of, uh, I would say, kind of honeymoon between uh, France and Great Britain. I, I, I'm not sure that this is the idea that everybody has about our, about our relationship, but still it is true, because if you consider the bilateral relationship between France and Great Britain, you've got to notice that uh, our president, uh, French President François Hollande, uh, who was elected four months ago, uh, he has been in Great Britain here to visit Mr. Cameron three times. Uh, he met him twice more uh, in Camp David and Las Cabos. Our trade relationship are strong, I would say huge. When we come to defense, uh, cooperation is an example. Uh, if you look at foreign affairs, well, uh, we have uh, common positions on almost every item uh, when you come to delicate matters on the planet, uh, Syria, Afghanistan, Iran, Libya, yesterday uh, on security uh, or uh, justice matters we also cooperate very closely and I want there to have a word for this uh, family British family who was murdered in Chevaline in France we are trying uh, together uh, to uh, see who uh, committed that horrible crime and then to punish the people who did it uh, I want also to, uh, of course, congratulate Great Britain for the incredible success of the Olympics, although the British team did better than ours. Uh, but there were arguments about that that I won't bring here in this room. Uh, the, the, the discussion between the two economic and finance ministers is not, in that context, the most simple for a clear reason, is that uh, my country, France, uh, belongs to the Eurozone, one of the most important uh, countries of the Eurozone, while Great Britain is not in the Eurozone. But uh, we uh, decided, uh, alongside with George Osborne, a principle uh, that is to listen to one other interest. Uh, I don't want to uh, bring the uh, British government into difficulty, and they can also be very helpful for the success of some reform. I would just take one example on which we discussed a few minutes ago, 
which is the banking union or the uh, uh, supervision on the banks, uh, strangely or paradoxically, uh, our positions are quite close. And so I think that in every field, we must try to improve and improve and improve all the time the relationship between our two countries. Uh, we don't uh, share all the points of views. We've got differences, but we've got to try to, to work together. It's a pleasure for me to be uh, with you today here at the LAC. Uh, uh, I couldn't find a, a, a better place, location, to, to, to give uh, a speech and to wrap up uh, the, uh, my short tour here in the UK. President Hollande and my Prime Minister, Jean-Marc Ayrault, uh, have already made a visit here in the UK uh, to discuss uh, what I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, a fruitful and valuable cooperation on, on political and economic matters. Uh, I forgot energy too, uh, which is a sector on which we work together very closely. Uh, and so I'm pleased to, to, to be here to make my own contribution and, and share with you my vision of uh, where France and the Eurozone uh, stand at the moment and uh, what we think should be the path forward, both domestically and at the European level. Uh, let me start with France. Uh, you can wonder, you can always wonder, when a new government came into office, what is the policy of the government? Where does uh, it leave the country? As you know, uh, a new government was uh, formed just four months ago. When we came to power, we found a country uh, afflicted by three uh, interconnected illnesses, uh, too little growth, uh, too much debt, and no support for reforms, government action, and political leaders in, in general. I would call that a, a deficit of confidence by the people. Uh, the financial crisis and the um, European debt crises uh, have uh, hurt us hard. Uh, France's budget was uh, clearly on an unsustainable path. Uh, our company's uh, competitiveness uh, has been steadily undermined over the past years. Our foreign trade uh, was in and is in a bad mood, not with Great Britain, but uh, globally. Uh, and finally, the unemployment rate has edged up to over 10%. Young people, in particular, find it harder and harder to join the labor market in France. Uh, I don't mean to depress uh, those among you who are uh, LSE students. You'll be fine in France because it's a strong country with strong assets. But uh, when uh, you all will become uh, secretaries of the Treasury, uh, you'll be confronted by the same uh, questions that I have to face today. Uh, what do we do to respond to the economic challenges we're facing? France's strategy uh, was clearly articulated uh, by President Hollande on Sunday uh, last week. And let me uh, give you uh, the uh, uh, sum up of this. First off, never lose uh, sight of where we want to be headed. More jobs and a sustainable uh, financial position for the country. Uh, we are pursuing both objectives at the same time. Second, uh, keep also in mind that we are here for five years uh, and that our economic policy will evolve uh, markedly over time. Our focus is the first two years uh, and during that moment uh, we will try to achieve two objectives. First, stick to the government's uh, commitment to reduce the budget deficit. This is a priority for us. And second, design at the same time, an ambitious policy for competitiveness uh, to lay the foundations for turning on our economy around by 2014 and fire up growth. Uh, it won't come easy. I'm quite conscious of that. There's no question uh, about that. But once this two-year period is over, the plan is to draw on good economics and financial results to move on uh, to a more rewarding face of uh, expansion, redistribution, and what President Hollande called a more human society. Let me focus uh, here on our priorities for the next couple of years, uh, since it's the window 
the uh, French government gave itself to fix the economy. France has embarked on an ambitious path to return to a balanced budget by 2017. Uh, we have a lot of efforts to, to make uh, with a deficit goal of 3% GDP uh, next year, down from projected 4.5% in 2012. And when we came into power, the uh, trend was over 5%. Uh, you see that these are uh, ambitious and that it needs efforts. We're on track to uh, reach uh, our objective this year uh, after Parliament passed uh, a bill in July to make necessarily uh, fiscal adjustments. If we hadn't make it, we would be, I repeat, again, almost or over 5%. And I am, uh, with the uh, President, with the Prime Minister, with the government, uh, finalizing uh, those days the uh, 2013 budget, which will meet, uh, I, I'm, I'm very firm about that, the 3% deficit target. Uh, of course, you can ask yourself, is this possible? Uh, make no mistake, uh, we could not be more serious about plugging the deficit. Uh, President Hollande has campaigned on a platform of fiscal responsibility, not for the sake of it. We uh, are not in love with the figure of deficit, but because we do not want financial markets to be constantly uh, breathing down uh, our neck, and because the French government uh, would rather direct public funds towards public services or growth and competitiveness sustaining measures than toward servicing the public debt. I'm very much aware that one euro less in order to reimburse our debt is one euro more for health, for education, for use, for competitiveness, for public services. And this is why we believe and I believe that debt is an enemy for the economy, and being myself a socialist, that it is an enemy for the left when uh, we are in power. We must regain sovereignty and independence with uh, regards to markets and with regards to funding our social model and policies. That's the rationale for our determination, which is absolute, to meet deficit targets. Some uh, of you might uh, think that we will simply go on, uh, on a tax frenzy to increase revenue to meet our objectives. Uh, I had a meeting with the press, uh, and I understood that this might be the idea of some of the journalists here in the UK. Uh, not so. The, the French government will increase revenue at the beginning of its term. There's just no way uh, around that. We need 37 billion uh, for next year uh, to hit our deficit target uh, and stay on course to the balanced budget in 2017. So yes, some of the adjustment will have to come from tax rises, in particular on larger companies and wealthier households, for 20 billion euros. But the Finance Act I'm preparing also includes 10 billion euros in spending curbs. More importantly, we in intend to stabilize the overall tax burden by 2014, then focus on cutting spending and shifting the weight of fiscal contribution away from small businesses and from low-income households in a spirit of a value in which we believe, which is called fairness or justice. So for the next two years, uh, restoring the health of uh, public finances is a priority. It is clearly my priority. But uh, there is more to our program than fiscal credibility. We will also design and implement ambitious policies to restore competitiveness. Uh, now, how do you, we achieve that, may you ask? First, uh, we want the financing needs of the French economy to be met. We want to make it easier for entrepreneurs to get funding for their projects. And we are working on three complementary initiatives to make this happen. First, regulatory and fiscal incentives will be designed to channel savings uh, toward uh, small and medium-sized enterprises. France has, a, that's my diagnosis, an adequate uh, level of spending, but there is a, a, a potential uh, of orientation towards uh, small 
and medium-sized entrepreneurs, which is too weak. So we'll have to uh, have savings directed to investment. Uh, in addition, I'll be setting uh, up in the next few days, President Hollande, first electoral commitment, a public investment bank to help cash-trap small businesses but also innovative companies to obtain financing. In my discussion with uh, George Osborne, I noticed that the uh, British government uh, also wants uh, to uh, build up such a business bank. And we will uh, have to exchange experiences about that. Uh, finally, I will conduct before the end of the year a banking reform uh, to make sure banks are focused on accompanying business development and not on making uh, profits out of property trading. So a better response to the financing needs of the French economy is the first item on our competitiveness agenda. Uh, implementing structural reforms on the fiscal front is the second key item. A com comprehensive plan will be unveiled by the government uh, by mid-October. I'm sure you will understand uh, easily that I cannot share the details uh, of this plan with you today. But what I can tell you uh, is that we are going to examine the level and structure of corporate taxes. We're going to simplify business taxation. We are going also to stimulate uh, private investments in R&D. And we will start that with the budget, uh, which will be voted in a few months from now. As part of this plan, we'll also review and improve our tools to uh, uh, export financing. Finally, we will come up with a blueprint to improve the quality of our regulatory framework and make government, I would say, leaner, uh, simpler, and more efficient. Last but not least, we're going to reform our labor market. I know that uh, this is a reform expected for years and maybe decades from France. We will do it. Uh, that's what the president indicated last week. Uh, France's labor market today uh, somehow is failing both employees and employer at the same time. Neither companies nor workers are adequately protected today. We are falling short on both fronts. So we will open negotiations with social partners with a view to quickly uh, securing career passes, to reducing inequalities among workers, to identify additional factors that give rise to employment disincentives. Uh, and this is what we want to achieve quickly. And when I say quickly, I mean that uh, either unions and social partners reach a compromise by the end of the year on labor reform, or the French government will act unilaterally by the law. My preference, of course, is that there is first an agreement, then a law, uh, and that the law is the agreement coming into effect and taking force as a law. So let me uh, recap. Uh, the long-term aim uh, is jobs and a sound, uh, sound financial situation. We are hoping to uh, reverse the relentless rise of uh, unemployment and returned our stored economy to growth in two years. Uh, 2014, again, is uh, our goal. Over this period, the emphasis will be uh, on plugging the deficit and uh, enhance competitiveness, in particular through uh, labor market reforms, and by revisiting uh, some of the funding options, uh, supporting our social protection mechanisms because we don't want the labor factor to be too expensive in France. This is important too. So uh, this is for France. Where does Europe fit in this picture? Well, uh, from a French perspective, uh, if we do this right, I truly believe that the EU could actually uh, contribute to kickstart the stalled engine of growth in the Eurozone and beyond. Doing this uh, right means acknowledging that growth will not come exclusively or even primarily from restoring market confidence 
by getting a grip on public finances or from implementing supply-side structural reforms, but also from boosting demand as well. Uh, to put it simply, my government believes that budgetary discipline needs to be balanced with growth-supporting measures. And this is exactly what Mr. Hollande is uh, pleading in Europe. How far uh, have we come on that? I truly believe that a major step was achieved at the European Council in June, 28 and 29 in June. As you may know, uh, President Hollande, then a candidate, campaigned in Europe for a shift in uh, policy away from uh, austerity and in favor of growth stimulating uh, measures. In this respect, uh, France is of the view that the June summit successfully initiated uh, a wider, much needed effort to strike a better balance, it's not yet a perfect balance, between the various macroeconomic objectives member states are pursuing. It is high time uh, for growth to reclaim its uh, essential position on the European economic map, as this is why France welcomed what it asked, uh, which is the European Council's agreement on the compact for growth and job of uh, 100 billion euros with new cash coming from a combination of short-term growth instruments such as project bonds, not yet euro bonds, but project bonds, uh, reallocated structural funds, uh, and French investment capital from the European Investment Bank, which plays a very important role in the present uh, European crisis. Uh, you may easily understand now why as a, a, a Minister of Economy and Finance, I see no contradictions between our national agenda and our European reform agenda, quite the contrary. I believe that they complement and reinforce each other, that uh, we should build on uh, European initiatives to obtain better microeconomic results uh, in France and conversely, that we should draw on our achievements in France to strengthen France's voice in the European field. And furthermore, I'm convinced that the main obstacle for growth today certainly is uncertainty in Europe. I was uh, four days ago in Athens, and I noticed while speaking with the Greek prime minister and ministers that they spoke about drachmophobia. As long as the people, the firms, uh, are not convinced that the Eurozone gets out of its problems, there won't be a, a secure and easy growth in Europe. This is why it's so important to stabilize uh, the Eurozone and to find a definite uh, solution to its problems. Let me be more specific. Uh, it is precisely because France has, has favored, under President Hollande, a, a, a realistic and yet ambitious uh, budgetary path and a heightened credibility for its financial policy that, I believe so, our European partners uh, turn to us again, as uh, illustrated by the uh, satisfying, I would say, not perfect, results of the June uh, European Council. The same uh, logic being uh, applied the other way. The domestic stage and the European stage should be viewed as, in my conception, two faces of the same coin, uh, just like we should build complementarities between the pursuit of credible fiscal adjustments, uh, measures, and the pursuit of economic growth. By the same token, uh, France believes that stabilizing the Eurozone is a prerequisite for growth in member states, just I mentioned a few days ago. I think that today we are not out of problem. I was asked that by the press a few minutes ago, but uh, getting closer to uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, even if much has yet to be done. All our eyes now are on Greece at the moment, for obvious reasons. Let me put this in unambiguous terms. Greece belongs to the Eurozone. I'm deeply convinced that we have got to defend the integrity of the Eurozone. That the Brexit, as called by the medias, is not a solution. That it could create an effect of contagion threatening the existence itself of the Eurozone. This doesn't mean that we must say that uh, Greece must stay in at any price. When I was in Athens, I told the government that uh, they need to make efforts 
with a huge determination to meet an agreement with the Troika. But if they do, and I think we uh, are quite close to this agreement, then we must have a definite solution for Greece in the Eurozone. And uh, I, I trust the uh, newly elected government, pro-Euro, uh, to, to, to find the strength to, to make those reforms. Spain uh, has been another subject of concern. I'm also confident that under the circumstances, we are on the right track, both in Madrid and in Brussels. And there, I want to, 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 to salute, uh, to congratulate uh, the uh, ECB for the important decisions announced by Mario Draghi. Uh, I don't know what will be the decision of the Spanish government, but I know that now we have all the tools necessary to intervene when uh, a country is the victim of uh, speculation, and this is probably decisive for the future. Uh, it's, a, it's a jump, a conceptual jump, which has been made by Mr. Draghi when he said that the Eurozone was irreversible and that uh, it was a part of the mission, it is a change, of the uh, European Central Bank to fight for this. A fully-fledged banking union, uh, meaning uh, a system to win down or recapitalize troubled banks, uh, combined with uh, a Europe-wide bank deposit insurance scheme, uh, would go a long way towards breaking the, the, the feedback loop between uh, weak banks and weak sovereigns. This is what we are searching for. France sees, and that's what I've been discussing with George Osborne, the banking union uh, as a key next step for Eurozone integration. And we feel strongly that it must be completed as soon as possible. The next step uh, is to establish uh, a single supervision for all banks, I say all banks, in Europe, and to do it fast before the end of year 2012. This is the mission that uh, the uh, heads of state and government gave us after the June European Council, I'm really advocating here to go fast. This is a key to recapitalize the uh, weak banks. This is a key in order to get out of the problem of uh, sovereign states, and this is why uh, I support the Commission's plan to do that. Uh, I, I must also say a word on the uh, structure of banks. Uh, I feel about banking reforms in general that they have to be done. This was also a key promise from the Hollande campaign. In the ongoing debate on the future of banking between the Volcker rule and the Vickers report, the key for me is to determine what makes resolution easier and safer. Looking at examples of banking failures in recent years, I'm not convinced, but I can have a talk with you about that, that uh, the Vickers proposals would have provided a satisfactory solution. Uh, in all cases, true, though having a good resolution regime in place uh, would have been helpful, hence <coughs> our determination to move forward with uh, resolution tools. So we must move there to the next step after supervision, which is banking reform. Fixing uh, the Eurozone, and uh, I come to the end of my uh, introductory remarks, is uh, a pressing task. But our ambition should not be limited to reaching this objective. Uh, we should uh, set our eyes on a bigger price, getting more out of the Eurozone. Uh, today, uh, in a French magazine, Le Figaro, uh, was a terrible poll showing that 20 years after the Maastricht Treaty, if there were a vote today, 60%, 64% of the French would vote again. Which means that even in a country such as mine, uh, a founding member of uh, the European Union, there is growing doubt. And this question, how can we deliver more? How can the Eurozone uh, be profitable for everybody? This question must be addressed. And we will only get more out of being in the Eurozone if we adopt a comprehensive approach to the economic challenges which we are facing and are able to, to, to offer a more promising perspective to all member states. More of the same, uh, more of the same uh, budgetary discipline 
more the same uh, fiscal consolidation, more the same social unrest. This is not going to, to work. And it certainly does not qualify as a promising perspective. And if it is the only thing that we are proposing to our people, then the growing distance between the people of Europe and the European Union uh, will get uh, even more large. And this is not acceptable for somebody like me who has really uh, Europe at heart. Uh, I want to, to submit to you that in the mid to longer term, we must go further in shaping and empowering our currency union beyond the Eurozone, the European Union. My personal conviction is that we should seek uh, simultaneous in, improvements in five directions. First, stronger measures to support economic growth. I mentioned some. An effective banking union. I talked about that. Real political and budgetary coordination among member states. Enhanced uh, fiscal coordination in the Eurozone. And last, an ambitious social union to <coughs> encourage workers' mobility. Beyond these uh, five uh, priority areas, my personal belief is that uh, we should continue to reflect collectively on improving the governance of the Eurozone. Not only should it be more effective, it should also abide by accountability standards that are more alike to those that are found at the national level. Concrete initiatives, uh, such as the creation of a finance minister, or let's say high representative for the Eurozone, should be held accountable to European citizens, just like national governments are, would go a long way to counter the misperception that EU institutions are too remote, too Byzantine, uh, for citizens to feel they have direct say in the decisions they take. And there comes the question of democracy, of European democracy, of European governments, of European institutions. My view is that uh, at some point, governments will have to find the political will and secure the democratic legitimacy to fix uh, the Euro's design flows through greater fiscal union. Uh, we've got to move forward. This is what my president, François Hollande, calls integration solidaire, integration and solidarity at the same time. If we only look at uh, integration or political integration just with uh, austerity, then nothing happens. If we only look at solidarity without fiscal discipline, uh, we cannot move ahead. But at each step, we must go further into integration and further in solidarity. And in the end, why not then meet the euro bonds? I say at the end of the process. Uh, so this is why I'm not personally against a greater fiscal federalism. I mean um, a Eurozone-specific budget and on with its own dedicated fiscal resources in order to finance uh, a limited but common set of priority spending in the Eurozone. I'm thinking, for example, about uh, unemployment insurance. And uh, in time, this uh, budget should, as I say, allow the issuance of euro bonds, which could be the solution. I'm uh, aware that uh, altering the current shape and objective of the EU uh, so fundamentally would probably not be possible within the restraints of uh, the current legal framework entails. The crisis uh, has pushed European governments further down the road of economic integration. I know that we can do a lot in the framework of the uh, present treaty. It is possible to coordinate better. It is possible to uh, uh, move on to the uh, banking union. But uh, at some moment, we'll have to consider a new treaty on integration. We've got to uh, have a deep-reaching uh, changes, and ultimately, we've got to move towards the uh, democratic renovation of the Eurozone institution. I believe this will be necessary in due time, and this is what, uh, in France, we are trying to work on orderly. Thank you very much for your attention. Well... First of all, thank you, Minister, for that emphatic and positive 
view of France and Europe in the coming period. And uh, let me thank you also for your expression of belief in European integration, which has been part of your political persona for a long period of time. Um, I have two preliminary remarks before opening uh, this to debate. The first I hate making, frankly. Um, but for those Twitter users in the audience, and I believe, I sympathize with you, I believe you're one of them, um, <coughs> the hashtag, the hashtag for today, whatever that means, for today's event is hatch uh, LSE Europe. Uh, that is the first point I want to make. The second point is I now want to open this for debate and discussion. And I will take um, questions from the audience. I would ask each person when given the microphone to identify themselves um, and their affiliation, if any, and uh, therefore to wait until a steward with the roving microphone gets to you. May I have the first question, please? This gentleman here in the front. Um, my name is Philip Stevens from the Financial Times. Um, the last section of your speech um, sounded like a sort of requiem for the uh, for French... European policy over the last 50 years, the uh, Europe des patries, I suppose. Um, is France willing to give up to um, uh, sufficient sovereignty to embrace the political union which at Maastricht you pushed aside? I mean, I know your own views, but it, do you think France is willing to, if you like, submerge its sovereignty in the integrated Europe that you imagine, particularly when that integrated Europe will be dominated by Germany? <clears throat> I wonder, was that a loaded question? Perhaps not. Charles Palmer. Uh, John Palmer from the Federal Trust. Minister, um, you made some important remarks uh, towards the end of your uh, speech about the necessity of shifting to a more growth-oriented focus at European level. You spoke about the restructuring of uh, uh, funds at European level and other investment uh, encouraging initiatives. The fear is that even taken together their impact might be marginal. Have you formed any view about what the concrete impact on GDP would be if the kind of measures that you have proposed were to be implemented? Thank you, John. Um, yes, this gentleman here. May wait for the microphone, if you would. Thank you, Minister. My name is uh, Gaspar Koenig. I wonder how you would explain that France, as a member of the European Union, is uh, uh, promoting and even imposing internal liberalization, liberalization measures on bailed-out countries, such as Greece or Portugal, uh, pushing for a more flexible uh, job market and uh, for huge uh, cuts in state spending while doing, while doing rather the contrary at home. One more question and then we'll take some answers. This gentleman towards the back. Thank you very much. I'm Dirk Robertson. I used to be a student at the school. Now I'm a rich socialist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if is the this Euro is linked, but... Uh. <laughs> Very strong link. Is, is the Euro doomed? Um, and if not, is the cost of keeping it alive going to be too great for the individual members of the European Union? Right. Perhaps if I might ask you to answer those questions. Minister. Well, first on, uh, on Europe des Patries. Uh, I never believe, believe that this is the uh, definition of the French European politics or policy? Certainly not. I've been in European affairs for quite a long time now. Uh, my first election in the European Parliament was in 1994. I've been European Affairs Minister for five years during 1997 to 2002, and I had the privilege to be here in this very place, uh, I think twice before. Uh, I, I've been again European uh, Vice President of the European Parliament in 2004, and I was a member of the Convention, which established the uh, uh, Constitutional Treaty. I voted in favor of this treaty. Uh, I think the definition of the uh, French policy is much more subtle and uh, complex 
than Europe des Patries. We were always in favor of integration, but always also sensitive to our sovereignty, both at the same time. Uh, Europe des Patries, uh, well, some rightist movements in France could say that, or even ultra-right movements. But this was never the uh, position of, uh, I would say, the mainstream parties in this country, never. And this must not be uh, right now. Uh, I'm conscious that in the end of my speech, this is why I'm here for, uh, can do that in the LSE, maybe not everywhere, I express personal views, which certainly are much, uh, in much more in favor of integration than uh, another minister or European personality or French personality could deliver here. But, uh, you know, if I uh, remembered what I had done before, is that because I I also take experience of my own mistakes or my own uh, beliefs, which have been disappointed by some experiences. Um, I know that the French are very attached to the sovereignty, certainly, and that uh, it would be naive uh, to abandon sovereignty without getting uh, a feedback from the European Union. This is why the concept of uh, integration solidaire is made for. I'm not a pro-integration at any price. I'm not saying uh, we uh, must integrate uh, without any benefit for my country. Uh, I, I'm certainly uh, uh, not in favor of Europe would be uh, dominated only by Germany. This is not my purpose. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm also convinced that if we are capable to have uh, at each step in integration a, a correspondence step in solidarity, then we can have Europe uh, coming closer to the people again. And conversely, I'm also convinced that if we don't do that, we will have a Europe more and more technocratic, uh, more and more uh, liberal, and more and more far away from the ordinary people. That's what I lived in the referendum in 2005. I don't want to live that again. And this is why uh, I believe we've got to, 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 to walk on the on the two feet of integration and solidarity uh, in order to reach, in the end, a Europe which won't be only a Europe of nation states, uh, but not the classical federal Europe. Uh, this is over when we are 27 member states. It's, it's impossible. But we can have a, a, a Europe with uh, different speeds, uh, with different circles, the political union, uh, some reinforced cooperation, Euro is, in a way, reinforced cooperation. What we are going to do at some countries uh, in order to, to, to tax the financial transaction will be a reinforced cooperation. On the other hand, what we do with our British friends uh, in defense is a kind of uh, reinforced cooperation. Uh, maybe a, a multi-speed Europe, uh, but also a more integrated Europe. Uh, and, and, and there uh, we will find, I think, an equilibrium between integration and solidarity. This is clearly my goal. Uh, second, I, I couldn't evaluate uh, the uh, growth uh, in impact or the impact on, on GDP of the measures which I mentioned. Uh, if I, I speak about the uh, 120 billion uh, uh, euro package, certainly the impact won't be very important, uh, but it can give a kickstart. It is a stimulus. Um, in my view, uh, we must do more, certainly. Uh, it's not uh, once for all. Uh, this is why I, I articulated other proposals. But I think that uh, the main asset for growth in Europe certainly is stability now, uh, is the end of uncertainty in Europe. Uh, and this is why we are so uh, pressing uh, or urging to find a solution for Greece, for Spain, for the banking union. Uh, and uh, it, it's been two and a half years of speeches, summits, meetings, always speaking about Greece or Spain. This must be over now. And I think that if the business community and ordinary people uh, can say, well, Europe is not a problem. This is over. But it is also an area in which we can invest where we can innovate, higher job. Our potential for growth is considerable. 
And this is why it's so important now to resolve these concrete problems and to do it fast. What I hope is that uh, in the next European Council of October, we'll find a solution for Greece. What I hope is that before the end of this year, we will have a common supervisory uh, supervisor for the bank in Europe. What I hope is that we will make progresses uh, with the Von Rompuy report on uh, integration alongside with solidarity. And then from this all, uh, specific measures and stability will come a, a greater potential for growth. Uh, we, we have, we've got still a very important potential. Uh, it, it is limited today by our incapacity to address the crisis we're in. Um, uh, I'm not uh, saying that uh, I want Spain or Portugal or Greece uh, to leave this or that policy. W what I'm certain is that if these countries don't solve their deficit problem or their debt problem, then there will be, and they are, in a situation which compromises sorry, their own future and the future of the Eurozone. This is how I come to uh, supporting uh, reforms. In my country, we are not in this situation. Uh, we are a strong country. Uh, we have, uh, we, it's true that we inherited of a situation which is complicated. Uh, the uh, 600 billion debts uh, uh, which were uh, delivered during the last five years are certainly a handicap. And this is why I advocated so strongly, and I still do, uh, for reducing the deficit in France. And this is a question of credibility. This is a question of the credibility of the signature of France. And this is why I repeat here, uh, the budget I will present alongside with the budget minister, uh, Mr. Cavizac, who is working with me, will be at 3%. And we will have our own reforms. I mentioned the uh, uh, secure, uh, sec security of jobs in France, the labor market reforms. Uh, we can do that. We have the privilege to do that with our own view uh, in this country. So uh, we must be judged on the results of what we are going to do uh, right now. And uh, François Hollande uh, gave an appointment to the French as well on employment, on deficit, by the end of the year 2013. And then we can have the discussion. Uh, is, uh, is Europe, uh, Euro condemned? Is the price too high to pay? Uh, I don't believe so. Uh, but uh, I believe that uh, we are uh, running after time, and we've got to find the solutions which are at the same time efficient and socially acceptable fast. Yes, lady up the back. Hi, bonsoir. Uh, Marguerite Arredaeli from the Bank of England. Um, in your speech, you linked a common uh, European supervisory framework to an effective bank resolution tool. Um, I would like you to expand a little bit on this and to cover some points. First of all, why do you envisage this sequence? Uh, secondarily, what is the timeline uh, that you would consider optimal and or feasible for implementing a resolution tool? Um, how do you see this tool? What is the nature of this banking resolution tool, EU-wide, worldwide, and what are the problems connected? And also, how advanced are discussions in France on this topic? Thank you so much. Gentlemen, the back of the white shirt. Hans Kuntanani, uh, do you think you'll get Euro bonds in your lifetime? Yes, frontier. Uh, Roger Little, um, congratulations first of all. It's wonderful that you're, uh, you're leading Europe in this way. But how do you see um, Britain's uh, position uh, in a more integrated um, uh, Eurozone core? Um, <clears throat> It seems to me that the present government in Britain uh, is willing us into an outer tier where Britain would, uh, would, would happily be part of a, of a two-tier Europe where, where we would have much less influence over what goes on. Um, does France see a possibility 
as it were, of um, uh, a closer integration uh, with the United Kingdom uh, outside the Euro on other, in other areas like defence policy uh, and foreign policy. Uh, and uh, do you think that that's a realistic alternative uh, for the UK in the present conjuncture? Um, I, I won't uh, develop uh, a lot on a, on a resolution tool, uh, neither will I on uh, the guarantee of deposits, which comes afterward. Uh, what I just want to say is that alongside with banking supervision, in my view, this is a whole. And this might be the difference with uh, other <coughs> economic and finance ministers in Europe. Um, Wolfgang Schauble, a uh, good friend of mine, and we're working every day, uh, said, well, supervision is not automatically leading to the banking union. I believe that the banking union is a global approach, and that we need to have those different factors uh, in the time to come, and the faster is the better. But I'm concentrated on the first one, because it is absolutely uh, necessary. Uh, the conclusions of the uh, European Council said that there would be a possibility to recapitalize directly the banks through the ESM uh, if there was a banking supervision mechanism established. Now, this is why I'm so favorable to go fast in that <coughs> track, in that direction. And fast to me is to have the, uh, uh, an agreement uh, on the basis of the uh, proposal of the Commission before the end of this year, 2012, this year. And I will advocate for that uh, strongly I think this is possible. Uh, the Commission made a huge uh, job during this uh, summer, seven weeks, uh, to, to build up a very good uh, basis for agreement. We've got uh, now something like three and a half months. It's feasible, and it has to be done. And then we can work on the other uh, stages of this banking union, including the resolution tool. My uh, opinion is the faster is the better. I repeat it again. The faster, the better. We've got no time to, wait, to waste uh, if we want uh, to, to preserve the capacity uh, for Europe to be, a, again, an ideal, a, a convincing object for the people in Europe. Uh, for your bonds, I, I don't know uh, how much time I will live. It depends on, uh, on other forces than mine. Although I'm a strong atheist, so I won't mention God here. Uh, but uh, my, my, my hope to live politically as a minister is not next five years. That's reasonable, I would say. Why not? For the five years. So I think, of course, I will see the Eurobonds in my lifetime, but even maybe in a shorter period of time that uh, one expects. But it depends on our capacity to, to move fast in integration. Uh, Eurobonds, some of us would have liked them to come immediately. This was not possible. It was a red line for our German friends. Uh, but they can be the crown uh, after the uh, making of uh, strong integration. So in a few years from now, five, I don't know exactly, ten. So I, I hope I will be there, maybe coming again uh, in the, here in the LSE. Uh, for Britain's position, of course, it's a very delicate matter. You understand that I won't articulate, dear Roger. I remember talks that we had a few years ago in another period uh, when Tony Blair was the uh, pro-European uh, prime minister of Great Britain. Uh, it's not only because he was New Labour, but he was uh, pro-European. And as you are very well placed to know, he never dared uh, moving into the uh, Eurozone. He didn't make the choice even to provoke the debate uh, in front of the British citizens. I don't blame him for that, because this was certainly not easy. But he was uh, the man who could have done it. And so now we're in another period, more difficult for Europe, with uh, other governing uh, figures here in Great Britain. I'm not judging them. They are my counterparts, and I want uh, with the government to have a better and better relationship with this country, 
whoever runs the country. That's a clear view. And this is why I went for this meeting with George Osborne. But still maybe a few ideas. Uh, first, uh, Great Britain is not and cannot be indifferent to what happens in the Eurozone. Because first, uh, the decisions that we have to make, uh, let's take one, the banking supervision, requires unanimity, not among the 17 members of the Eurozone, but among the 27 members of the uh, European Union. So Great Britain has its words to say. And uh, even more, if France and Great Britain could articulate a common position on that point, uh, Great Britain being what it is, very strong financial place, it would be of great help in order to make progresses in uh, the uh, banking supervision. On the contrary, on the reverse, on the other side, uh, we must also pay attention to the British interest. So even if we are in the Eurozone and they are not, we've got to discuss those matters. And that's what I did uh, with the Chancellor uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, with differences, differences uh, which come from our different positions, differences which come from our different views, but also with uh, points of convergence. So this is my first remark. Not being in the Eurozone doesn't mean that you are indifferent to the Eurozone. And doesn't mean that the Eurozone countries uh, must not pay attention uh, to what uh, the uh, Great Britain uh, interests are. So we need to, to work together. Uh, we are part of the same council, the Coffin Council. Uh, on the other points, uh, of course, we do a lot with Great Britain. In the uh, informal uh, summit in Nicosia, we were at the dinner at the same table with uh, George Osborne, uh, with uh, Wolfgang Schauble, myself, and there were other ministers. And they said they watched us. And when the point came of the euro, of course, everybody turns attention to uh, France and Germany together. That's normal. We are the two countries, uh, founder, founding fathers of uh, Europe. Uh, we are the strongest economic uh, countries in the Eurozone, and we are so uh, deeply linked together. But when you come to speak about difference or foreign affairs, then you, you move the attention uh, towards uh, France and Great Britain together. This means that, uh, of course, we can integrate more and more on those fields. Uh, when uh, uh, we discuss in the Security Council uh, among permanent member states of Syria, Afghanistan, Iran. Uh, our two diplomacies are deeply involved. And I believe, too, that uh, the progress is made on defense since uh, a long time. Saint-Malo uh, uh, with uh, Jospin Blair, but more recently with the Lancaster House agreements lead to deeper and deeper integration. So maybe we can move to uh, these dimensions uh, uh, coming into structural defense. I take two more questions, and I'm afraid that will bring us to a conclusion. This gentleman here, please. Hello, Artis Gallier, former LSE students. So, just to make clear from a previous question, do you consider France can afford labor market inflexibility and public expenditure worth 56% of GDP? And the second point, in an hour very famous speech in January by François Hollande, he declared to be the enemy of finance and that he, he said he would separate casino banking from socially useful uh, banks. And after what, what seems to have been a very short-lived lobby, lobbying session, after his election, he backtracked. Does that mean that François Hollande is now the best friend of bankers? This lady here. Thank you. I'm um, Lucy Thomas from Business for New Europe. You said at some point a treaty was going to be necessary, a new one. I just wondered if you had a sense of when, roughly. Um, and then if that sort of opens a whole can of worms, as the right wing here would like it to, and Britain comes along with a shopping list saying... Sorry? If, if Britain comes along with a shopping list saying we want to repatriate this, that, and the other, um, you just said even if they're not a Eurozone member, you have to listen to them. How much do you think Britain would be listened to were they to say we want to repatriate a lot of things and potentially we want a referendum? I mean, is, will that set the cat amongst the pigeons? Two particularly simple questions. <laughs> the first one is simple, very simple. Uh, I'll say it in my words. 
maybe not exactly yours, I don't know why. But, um, but I guess so. Uh, it's strange that my ears are, some words seems familiar to me. Uh, but uh, first, I, I truly believe that we can afford to live with our social model. Yes, we can. Uh, certainly we do. And uh, this social model must not be dismantled. Uh, it must not be broken. It must be modernized. It must be reformed. It must be changed. It must be improved. But uh, we are not there to, to break the French social model. And uh, uh, if you look at the, the figures which were articulated by François Hollande, he said in his campaign that uh, the part of uh, public expenses in the GB is now 66%, have moved down to 53%. You must remember that it was 53% uh, in 2007. I take this data fully uh, by hazard. It was 66, it will be 63 after the end of our mandate. This is reasonable. Uh, it's a good reason to, to, to progress with. Uh, the, about the enemy of finance, certainly did not uh, renounce to his uh, conviction. Um, and I can tell you here that the very words he pronounced saying that he wanted to, uh, to distinguish casino banking from economic and socially uh, uh, profitable uh, financing. Uh, this is what we are going to do. There will be a reform in the banking system in France. Uh, and this reform, I'm in charge of lead, lead, leading it uh, by the end of this year. Before the end of 2012, there will be a strong, deep reform in the financing system, in the banking system in France, in order uh, to forbid some uh, uh, excesses uh, in speculation. I'm, of course, discussing with the banks. I don't want the uh, French banking system to be destroyed or to be weakened. But nobody must doubt that is still our will and our political uh, commitment. So, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't say I'm a uh, I'm not uh, the enemy of the bankers. I'm not sure that they consider me their best friends. Uh, what I simply hope that they believe that I'm the economic and finance minister uh, leading a reform uh, in order to have a, a financing uh, system uh, which is uh, more dedicated to economy than to speculation. That's what I'm going to do under the uh, conduct of the President of the Republic and uh, in direct line with uh, his uh, campaign. I'd be very careful about uh, your other question. I'm sorry to say yeah. so, but uh, I wouldn't say Great Britain is an island, but it certainly is a sovereign country, and so uh, I won't reflect on that a lot. So a new treaty. Uh, at some point, well, uh, I, I, what I wanted to say is that we need to be in a three-terms approach. Uh, first, the short-term approach. Uh, in the months is to come, uh, we must be capable of solving the Greek problem, of getting rid of the interrogation on Spain, uh, and uh, advancing into the uh, supervision mechanism, direct recap, and uh, bringing all together the tools necessary to fight against speculation in Europe. It means stabilization. So that's what I'm planning to, to work on. It's absolutely necessary and we are planning to work on. Then comes uh, the, uh, I would say, midterm reforms that can be done under the treaty. If we want to coordinate bef better between our uh, governments, we can do that easily. Uh, if we want to, 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 to create a, a budget which is more active, uh, dedicated to modernization, we can do it. And this is one question which will be raised when we talk about the financial perspectives of the uh, European Union in, in the year to come. Uh, but after that, uh, we need also to think about the long term. <coughs> and the long term to me is more integration. And I believe that at one step, a few years from now, I would say during the five years to come, we'll have to think about the possibility, it's not a certainty, uh, to have a new treaty. And I believe that this might be uh, upon the conclusions of, of the uh, Von Rompuy report, uh, which will be delivered in a few months from now, which
which is not only the Van Rompuy report, but the report by the four presidents of the uh, European institutions. Uh, so uh, let's, let's move on uh, quickly, uh, strongly, uh, with a very uh, strong will, too, uh, reasonably, uh, and in the end, we'll reach uh, integration and eurobonds uh, during my lifetime. Minister, um, let, me, let me bring this meeting to a conclusion by saying a couple of things. First of all, I would ask everybody to remain in their seats until the minister has left the room. Secondly, I would like on behalf of LSE to pay particular tribute to the fact that the minister's father, Serge Muscovici, is an esteemed academic and an honorary graduate of, of this school. So having you back in it is a particular, is a particular, is a particular pleasure. With regard to what you have said, I won't attempt to summarize it. I would simply say that your message about more integration, your uh, message about the need to balance the fiscal side with the concept of solidarity, something that has been notably absent in much of the debate about where we're going, and your view about the need to in increase the democratic belief in the European integration process in which you believe which I believe is something which is very welcome to many of us here today. We're very grateful to you for being with us. We're very grateful to you for what you've said and for the positive and constructive message that you have given as a result of what you have said. And finally, let me say that there's an old tradition, uh, at least going back to the occasion when Mandela was here, of passing, I don't like doing this really, but passing this cap to you as a memento of this occasion, and let me do so. <laughs> if Mandela did it, I can make it too. Yes, certainly. Together with the certificate to your attendance. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.